0: Well, hey there, and welcome to God, Sex, and You. I'm your host, Dustin Daniels. Well, let me start off with a question this week. What exactly is the key to becoming a man of integrity, a man of honor, as Scripture would say, a man of valor? I mean, what's the key to becoming a strong and irresistible husband? You know, last week we spoke with Ken Nair. He is the author of... Of the book titled Discovering the Mind of a Woman. And you heard my story. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, uh, listen to last week's podcast. This book literally changed my view as a husband. And we talked about several male prejudices towards women. We only got to, let's see, we only got to two of those. I think I told you we were going to cover four. <laughs> I lied. And you say, Dustin, you're a liar. And you would be correct, my friend. I've been called much much worse, but that's another topic for another show. Uh, let me encourage you to order Ken's book. Seriously, it's full of really, really good stuff. Uh, we're, today we're going to continue our conversation with Ken, and we're going to we're going to discuss the six qualities that your wife wants in her man. So let's get right to it. Ken, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. Hey, this this is a lot of fun. I, I tell you, you have really opened my mind on some of the things that I wasn't even aware that I was doing and my attitudes and my tone towards my wife, Amy. And uh, one of the sections in your book is this idea. There are six desirable qualities in, in every single man. And the first one is how do, how do we as men, how do we walk in and out of the house without causing damage. And I thought, wow, what, a, what kind of question is that? So <laughs> re, you pose another question. What do I typically say and do when I walk into the house after a hard day at work? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> no. it's, it's like the situation. Uh, a guy
1: is he's come home from work. He's been at work all day. His wife says to him, how'd your day go? He says, it was a day, right? She says, well, did anything happen? No, I just, does it work? Why are you doing this? And she's like, oh, okay. So she backs off because he didn't want to talk to her. And I'm reflecting on the idea that Jesus said, I used to call you servants, but I'm not going to call you servants anymore. I'm going to call you friends. Mm. And then he qualifies it. Conversation. I'm going to keep you informed about everything that's going on between the father and I. So he's taking his focus and her focus to God, and then he's going to tell her. He's going to talk to her about it. She says that uh, she realizes it's not going to be good to talk to him, so she quits. But the phone rings, and a, a friend from work is calling him because he was sick at, from home, at home that day and didn't get to work. So he calls him up, and he says, how's things going at work? What's going at work? Well, this guy talks for a half hour with his friend about details at work. Oh, my. And so he gets off the phone, and his wife says to him, I think you love your friend more than you love me. mm And his real clever comeback is, well, I married you. I didn't marry my friend. And he thinks he solved the problem. He has, in fact, increased the problem because in both instances, he's wounded her spirit. And so does he know that? No, he thinks she's just trying to drive him crazy with all these questions and keeping on his back. And no matter what he does, it ain't right. No matter how hard he tries, it's not good enough. And so he's quit. And you can't be like Christ and quit like that.
0: You know, what I've noticed, Ken, is over the 11 years that I've been married to Amy, I come to the realization, like, for me to actually communicate well with her, and and what you say in your book is for my spirit to communicate to her spirit, right? Yes. Uh It's she, even though I may have had a good day or a bad day, regardless, I don't, there's something in me that doesn't want to tell her about my day, because I just live through it, and I get home, and I don't want to live through it again by telling every single detail. Does that make sense? Yep. I'm home to relax. Mm. I'm not there as a ministry
1: to my wife and family. Who am I supposed to portray Christ to? I'm there to relax. It's it's like a guy, when you're going to talk spirit to spirit, okay, it's like a guy in class, and he's he's sharing his heart about how he demolished a mixer, a, a household mixer, because he was so angry at it. And his wife saw him demolish that thing and it scared her half to death. Mm. That kind of temper scared her. So as he's sharing this, he's weeping. He can hardly talk. And so after he finishes sharing it, I go around the class. There's about 20 people in the class, men and women. And I ask each of of them, when you heard him talk, how did that affect you? And they're talking about, it. it touched me. Wives are saying it drew my heart dearer to him because of that. Uh, honesty and uh, humility and vulnerability and so I, the guys are saying wow it just it really affected me I could live that with him and I've said to them when it's all done do you realize you all had a spirit to spirit occasion with him mm-hmm. and that's practice now that you know what it feels like your wife wants the same thing from you for you to let her in your heart Without causing damage, and for you to let her, her to be, invite you into her heart because you're safe, and we don't even know what that means. So God gives us practice with occasions like that, so we can understand. That's what it feels like. Why practice for spirit to spirit with God? That's what He wants with us. That's what He had with Adam. He wants it
0: back. You know that that word safe that you just used. How's I, I? I'm under the impression that we as men. We either think our marriages are, we generally think that our marriages are better than what they really are Mm -hmm. and that our, that our homes, even though we think they may be safe, are they really, Mm. does that make sense to you at all? I mean,
1: yeah. And the idea is that I have to determine what safe is from her perspective, Mm. not mine. Yeah. Because if you ask me, I'm wonderful. (laughs)
0: Mr. Wonderful. That's
1: right. uh, My wife and a lot of guys think uh, their wife is blessed by being married to them. And that's because we operate on the physical, mechanical, mental plane only. We don't even know there's a spiritual plane. I didn't know there's a spiritual plane, a realm. And she lived there. And so we never communicated spirit to spirit with each other. And and like I mentioned last week, you know, I I want every encounter that Nancy has with me for her to feel like she's had an encounter with Christ. That's my goal. Mm.
0: My guest today is Ken Nair. We are talking about his book, Discovering the Mind of a Woman. To learn more about Ken and his ministry, you can visit ChristQuestMinistries.com. And today we are talking about the desirable qualities in a man. Number one was walking in and out of the house without causing damage. And uh, if you're not sure if you're doing that, right, Ken, how about we just ask our wives if we're we're good at that? Yeah,
1: but if your wife is like mine, she's going to say, yeah, right, I'm going there. <laughs> I can't wait to get in a fight. Mm. It's like, what? That's when you know it's not safe to walk in the house and out of the house because she's scared of you. My wife is frightened of me. I'm wow. Like, what? Why would she be frightened? I'm Mr. Wonderful. How can anybody be afraid
0: of wonderful me? But she was. Mm. Number two is opening his mind to his wife. So you're right. If you're like most men, you may think you're letting your wife into your heart by letting her into your thoughts. Mm. Can you say more? Got to be emotional. I ask a guy, um,
1: who do you think is more naturally, normally, emotionally functional? You or your wife? Oh, my wife. And he thinks he's indicted her. And I say, okay, uh, give me a percentage. Mm. How much more? do you think she is normally, naturally, emotionally functional than you are? Oh, hundred 100%. And he thinks he's really nailed down that indictment now. I said, okay. Would she be more emotionally functional than the inventor of emotions, Jesus and God? And he says, no. Okay, would Jesus be 100% emotionally functional? Absolutely. Okay, so if your wife is 100% emotionally functional, Jesus is 100% emotionally functional. Have we just discovered an area in which you are 100% deficient at portraying Christ? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, uh, I never thought of it like that. I said, yeah. well, that's why we're in trouble all the time. Yeah. But if she's very emotional, and I'm going to live with my wife in an understanding way, a command from God, I've got to become emotionally functional. So how do I do that? Well, first of all, I've got to start taking note things You cannot live a day in life without emotional events taking place. And we don't even pay attention to them. Well, we don't want to. We've watched the women get emotional. It's like, yeah, I can't wait to go there because we're not interested. And yet Christ would be fully. And if you read the Bible, there's tons of emotions that God and Jesus experienced. And I never even noticed them before. Right.
0: Well, and that leads us to, to number three, and that's being sensitive. Uh, you said a woman loves a man that has tear ducts that actually work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, in fact, last week when you were sharing about uh, your wife going and getting in bed and, and getting yeah. almost in the fetal position of crying, yeah. it, it made me cry because mm-hmm. it's like, wow, there's so much emotions there. And we don't know it. We, we're not interested necessarily in knowing it. And yet we must, if we're going to be like Christ, We have to be emotionally functional. And she has to know, for example, if we ask for forgiveness, a a guy might say to his wife, all right, all right, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Right. Yeah. It's not quite repentant. But he has enacted the first half of the Christian formula. So what's she got to do? Yeah, 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 I forgive you. Mm -hmm. Has it happened? No, it hasn't. Right. Why? Because he hasn't expressed to her his understanding of the emotions she experienced so I'm thinking of a time Nancy and I had been gone for about a week and we came home and we were in the kitchen and I was helping her fix dinner and I heard something on the news I had to get so I left her and I walked in the front room and I came back as I walked in the room her posture said to me she was not feeling good Mm -hmm. and I said "Uh oh I blew it didn't I she says yeah how I said, I made you feel like I didn't care about you. I made you feel like TV was more important than you, that news was more important than you, neglected, unimportant, disregarded, disrespected, dishonored. Now she knows I know how she felt, and she knows that I understand what I did to her. And so when I say, could you forgive me, because you don't deserve that. Jesus wouldn't have done that to you, and yet I did. And so if he wouldn't do it, I shouldn't do it could you forgive me? And she says, absolutely. And it's like, wow, you will hear Nancy say there are no unresolved conflicts between us. And that's even going back years and years and years ago. We've been married for 57 years. Wow. She will go back. She can go back 57 years. And even those have been resolved.
0: My guest today is Ken Nair. He is the author of Discovering the Mind of a Woman, the founder of Christ Quest Ministries, and uh, you can visit him at ChristQuestMinistries.com. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying my interview with Ken Nair. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may just like my book as well. It's titled, the Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. And what it's going to do is it's going to teach you God's design for sexuality. Uh, that's basically the first couple chapters. How do we look at sexuality, not from our perspective, and not what Hollywood and what the movies and everything um, that we've grown up with, or maybe you know the way that our family taught us, but how does God, how does he look at this? It's so important, and it's, you know, when I learned God's view on sexuality, I just knew when someone taught me this, I just knew that I would teach this the rest of my life. So if you're interested in learning more, jump on my website at dustindaniels.org. You can buy the book. There's also the audio workbook there to where you can hear me teach this uh, to a class. It has 33 different lessons in it. Uh, Really, really good stuff for learning God's design for sex and sexuality. All right, let's get back to the podcast with Ken Nair. How do we really become men of integrity? How do we become more christ like. That's what we're talking about today. And uh, we're we're going over the six desirable qualities in a man. And uh, we've talked about walking in and out of the house without causing damage, opening our minds to our wives, and then uh, being sensitive. And then, Ken, uh, we're going to talk about your last one. Four and five is, is being thoughtful enough to remember things that are important to her creative doing uh, doing things with her number five doing things with her and being inclusive mm. and exclusive there but I really want to hone in on uh, number six and and that is that the husband really believes that they are one mm. that we really are one flesh and, and you're right in your book I'm convinced that the concepts of oneness involves these principles that two halves are fused, together, making one, and that they are unable to properly function separately. And each requires the other for success. Can you say more?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, when God made us one, uh, he meant one. I ask a guy, because his wife feels like they really aren't one. And uh, she says, I don't know what our financial picture is. Uh, he has friends I don't know about, etc. So I say to him, How many decisions do you make without letting you know of the decisions you've made? And he says, none. I said, okay, since you and your wife are one, then she is you. How many decisions do you make without letting you know of the decisions you've made? Hmm. And we don't think like that. No, we don't. But Mm -mm. if I'm supposed to be one with my wife, that means that she is aware and and I have to determine you know, if I'm saying okay, I need to be Christ-like to my wife. She's the one that gets to determine whether I'm like Christ or not to her, because there's only one person in the entire world that God requires I lay my life down for, and that's my wife Nancy. Mm. That nobody else in the world do I have to lay down my life for. And like I mentioned last week, I was at a, a women's Bible college, and the and woman says, well, uh, that applies to women, too. I'm like, N- no, show me where. He said, well, there, lay down your uh, Husbands, lay down your life for your wife. I said, God knows the difference between men and women, <laughs> right. and husbands and wives. And it does not say wives. Yeah. But they, they have been taught that that's true. I was at a wedding here a while back, and the pastor said to the husband, now, you realize that God requires that you lay down your life for your wife and he said yes sir and he looked at the wife and he said scripture requires that of you too and i wanted to scream out show me where it says
0: that <laughs> uh, might have killed the moment but 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 you're absolutely right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so as we we can we talk about uh, a lot about sex and pornography and and sexual issues and and addictions on this program and and this idea of becoming one to two halves fused together, uh, you write that including wives in the decision-making process so improves their sense of security that it also reflects, it's reflected in all aspects of intimacy. Mm. Can you say more? A lot of women have said to me, he has
1: lied to me, he has kept this a secret. And I say, why do you suppose he did that? And to so be, he knows it's wrong. The problem is, though, he doesn't have a sense of the damage it will cause. Mm. Because I guess they say it's a private sin. Well, it's not. It affects the whole family because light and darkness cannot dwell together. Christ and our sin nature cannot dwell together. One of them is going to be in leadership. If I'm letting my sin nature be in leadership, if I know what that is, then Christ is not going to be the major influence. And the more emotionally functional I become, the more I will sense the damage this will cause my wife. And I don't want to run that risk of causing that damage. Because I don't want to be... See, I think I'm going to have to answer for that. When we get to heaven, here's an example I think of. I'm standing before God. And as I'm standing before God, this... Have you ever seen a person who's been in a fire? Their skin actually melts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm standing there before God and this person comes walking up next to me and is severely burnt. Mm. And I'm looking at this and at this person and God says, you know who that is? I said, no. He said, that's your wife's spirit. You have severely damaged her. Wow. You are going to have to give an answer for that Mm. because as her spiritual leader, it's my job to care for her spirit. I am her spirit's caretaker. Do I even know what that means? If I don't know what it means, I'm not threatened as severely because I'm not hurting her, but I am. I'm causing damage. If light and darkness cannot exist together, then when I am indulging myself, I'm not going to be caring for her like Christ would because
0: I can't do it. And isn't it amazing if we if we do not have our spirit speak to her spirit? Then how can we truly become intimate as husband and wife, uh, which glorifies God in many, many ways that we yep. can't even conceive of? Yep. What is the wife's response to that? If, if we're not caring for our wives emotionally, like you're talking about, and then we, we want to become intimate, we demand sex, what, what, does that, what does that look like?
1: Well, I'm looking at it like this. To men, sexual intimacy is paralleled in women with emotional sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So we want them to meet our mechanical, physical needs while we're not at all even aware of or addressing their emotional needs. And so if we're not addressing their emotional needs, it's like Nancy said to me, you know, I'm, I've been mean to her, I've been sharp, harsh, uh, derogatory, whatever, for, for all the time. And so now here we are and she's saying he wants me to be, meet his intimate needs he's not meeting my intimate needs. And so
0: I'm shutting her down myself. That's very interesting. If we are not meeting her intimate needs and then we are demanding our wives to meet ours physically. Yeah. Wow. Let me give you a verse that
1: Christians use often to get her to comply. Sure. It says, wives, your body is not yours. It's your husband's. Mm -hmm. So you can't deny him. And we're using that to force women to be sexually involved with their husbands. However, get this, the rest of the verse says, husbands, your body does not belong to you, it belongs to her. So if I'm going to use that verse to say you can't deny me, then she can say, okay, I don't deny you. But on the other hand, I'm saying your body belongs to me, you can't use it. Checkmate. Wow. If that verse is to be used in that sense, and it wasn't. But we use all kinds of we twist scripture to get our way. It's it's like the verse that says, um, "Let those who steal steal no more, rather to work with their hands." You know they didn't have commas in the Bible. <laughs> so how about if it said, "Let those who steal steal, no more to right. work with their hands."
0: Yeah, we can twist it. Wow. Well, Ken, it has been a joy to speak to you over the last couple of weeks here. Thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you so much for this this amazing book. Uh, once again, the, the book is called Discovering the Mind of a Woman. Isn't Ken greatness? Isn't he great? I, I love him. Uh, Ken Nair, the author of Discovering the Mind of a Woman, he is the founder of Christ Quest Ministries. And you can learn more about Ken at ChristQuestMinistries.com. Next week, I'll be speaking with NFL quarterback Jeff Kemp and his book, Facing the Blitz. Well, as we move into the Christmas season here, we're only a few weeks away, and you say, you know what? I'm um, I'm still struggling. I'm I'm still struggling with all this purity stuff. I, I'm still I'm still messing around with alcohol. I'm I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing. I I know that God is not pleased with me. I I feel the shame. I I feel the guilt. Hey 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 hey. I get it. I just want you to know that I get it, and if. God is leading you to do something different then listen to that voice man and uh, maybe you need to reach out to me. you can do that at my website schedule some counseling, talk to somebody who can walk you through this. I was an addict for over 20 years of my life and I say that to my shame. it's it's not just being an addict guys it's it's called habitual sin. And it's only by the Lord Jesus Christ who will break that, that sin, that addiction from you. Basically, you know, long story short, we all have a broken relationship with Jesus. And I know this is going to sound weird, but at the end of the day, this thing that you struggle with will bring you closer to him if you allow If your walk with God, if your purity is something that you want to address, like really truly address instead of just kind of messing around with it, then jump on the website, man, and book some time with me. Let me say this. It will be the hardest, well, one of the hardest things that you've ever done is to address the purity in your life. There's no doubt. I call it a beautiful disaster because that's what it is. It's beautiful, but it also will crush you. And yet that's the beauty of it. So all that to say, yeah, if you want to jump on the website, schedule some time with me, let's do it. Let's do it. In the meantime, I pray that you are committed to a Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing church this Sunday. If COVID is preventing you from, from that and uh, your church does not, is not online or for whatever reason. I want to make sure that you are in the Word of God. So we at River Bible Church, we are going through the Gospel of Mark. So jump on riverbible.org, click on the sermons tab, and you can see the online stuff there and then the audio stuff. That's another podcast that you can subscribe to, and that's the live service. All right. The Word of God says this. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk, it's living and it's living in God's power. And that power, my friend, is the very name and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And my prayer for you today is that you live in God's power, that you absolutely will live in his power because it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. I love you, and I'll see you next week.